Hey, FemLore listeners. This is Cinderella Part 2. If you haven't already, check out Part 1 from last week. The stories we tell communicate who we are and what we value. Each episode, we consider a different story from our perspective as women. From murder ballads to fairy tales, we discuss the power these stories have over us all. This is our history, both real and imagined, told through the eyes of today. This is Femlore. So now we can kind of jump in, you know, I'm sure we'll we'll still be talking about Cinderella is dead, but I think this is a great place to really jump into the original Grimm Brothers telling. So um, such a great story, Rachel. Thank you for getting through that, for recording it. Um, and I actually loved it. Just even hearing it, I kind of was picking up on some different notes. Um, and one of the things I know this is silly and my new, and I'm kind of jumping to the end of the story, but I couldn't get out of my head like, did anybody clean the slipper? Was it just no. filled with blood mm-hmm. as like <laughs> yeah. her one stepsister to stepsister and then to her? Like she had to just put her foot in this bloody slipper? Yeah. 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 It's a mess. A mess. <laughs> Total like, mess. what were y'all doing? Yeah. Talk about and, like, COVID, I don't know. Right? Yeah. <laughs> My mom was like, hey, I need you to like cut off your heel to fit in this shoe. I would be like, wait. Huh? Like nobody even questioned it. They were right. just like, yeah, okay, cool. Yeah. Well, and I think that's like mutilation. Like women are expected to mutilate their bodies in some way in order to conform. Oh my god! But it didn't yes. actually yeah. hit. Like it didn't actually work for them. Right. Which, so I don't know what the story is trying to tell us. Like don't do it. Well, but don't then shrink do yourself. It. Don't like, yeah, I, I, don't, I don't. Oh, know I see what you're saying. saying. Like, I don't know that the story is saying be powerful. No, no. It's like, the story is definitely not. Well, because it also punishes them for their, for mutilating themselves, which right. like, oh man, I don't know. That's, that's quite a wrap. That's quite something wrapped up. I don't know how right. to untangle that. It's a whole ball of crap. Yeah. yeah. It's like, you have to, you have to, you know, excise pieces of yourself in order to to um to fit but then maybe that doesn't work either like what and what a kind of um you're damned if you do damned if if you don't kind of you know thing to say and of course that of course it's you know the 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 women in this story who are who are asked to do that and do it and then still kind of end up losing in the end so yeah it's um very telling well i think to me, the kind of, uh, I don't know, I don't know if this is exactly correlated, but um, I know that we haven't met in person, Kaylin, but I am a plus size woman. And something for me that I know, just, we often hear about women, whether it be in relationships, I feel like you don't hear it as often about men, maybe sometimes, but that phrase of like, oh, they've really let themselves go. Or mm-hmm. that, you know, I feel like we hear that where like people, it's like, oh, they gained a little weight after they got married, or maybe they gained weight after having children, or just like whatever it may be. That thing, that thought that like, oh, somebody has let themselves go because they're changing to me. I'm like, oftentimes I think the problem is just because society puts so much pressure and tells people that they're not enough as they are. So like they're doing this crazy stuff, they're cutting off parts of themselves, they're hiding pieces of themselves or they're, you know, on crazy diets or whatever to stay a certain way. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh, now I finally can be 
who I am. And there's just something like so inherently sad about that, like whole cycle. But I don't know. I just, it kind of popped in my mind about this. No, I think that's a really good point. And I think that you kind of, you know, that you see that a lot with, you know, social media and kind of, Mm -hmm. um, you know, influencers and things that you kind of see on an everyday basis. You have to look a certain way. You have to be a certain way. And then I think you hear, you know, people kind of, going to extremes to, to do that um, and and then not being fulfilled afterwards. Not You're not, because you're not doing it for you, you're doing it for someone else. And so it's kind of like, you know, I, I, I think that, that that parallel is definitely there. Um, I yeah. don't know what they were, um, you know, I, I, I'm sure there was some version of that when they were, you know, putting these stories together. So yeah, I, I see that. <laughs> kind of makes me think of one of my biggest pet peeves is, on reality shows when they show women going to bed with a full face of makeup and yeah. I'm like, or like waking up like that. And I'm like, you know that they yeah. already had time to do this. They hop back in bed, but even that, like, at least I know that. And I can say, you know, some people probably don't know. And even th- like mm-hmm. some people expecting and thinking that like, that's just normal and how you need to look. I feel like can't remember what it, there's some movie or book or something that I recently saw where um, the woman would wake up before her husband. Oh, it might have been the marvelous Mrs. Yeah, Maisel. Like- yeah, where she would wake up before her husband so she could get up and put on her perfume, do her hair, do her makeup, and she would come back into bed and pretend like she was just waking up. And he truly didn't know that she like oh. ever looked any different. Yeah. Yikes. Yikes is right. <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, wow! Just the expectation of women. Sorry, I took us down well, the rabbit hole. And then but. men don't don't realize it. They don't understand yes. it. That's the other thing. And you know, I think, yeah, I just think like the the whole letting yourself go is just so upsetting because I don't know. I am let go. That's me. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to like, yeah. like I I will not wear real pants again. I refuse. Thank you very much. <laughs> You know, right. <laughs> I think like, you know, it's just it, all of it is so it's just it's this it's a standard that we're held to, you know, Well, and it's funny because I think that term, how it is used in the way that I was saying is like that it's a bad thing. But I think to me, I realized I'm like, yeah, I let myself go from the unrealistic expectations and standards that I used to think I had to fit in. And now I let myself go into, you know, studying and exploring and being truly the person who I want. Like now that I'm not as obsessed with working out and counting my calories, I can read good books. I can do a podcast. I can like be a more well-rounded person. And it's just, you know, to each their own. But I think you also can look at that phrase of like letting go and really becoming what you got. Now I, I wish I could Ooh, sing, you know, becoming. and now we're just like the getting into yeah. frozen. <laughs> I, know, I don't know why. <laughs> oh man. Well, anyway, I'll, I'll drop that because there's so many other things to talk about, but thank you both for indulging me. Um, I just, you know, the, the expectations yeah. too, of um, that she had to look a certain way to be able to go to the ball. And that kind of brings us back to the story of Cinderella. Like, you know, would he have still loved her? if she showed up as she was on the daily, you know, it it took, you're right. Definitely not. He didn't even know who she was. Um, And I think that's kind of everything we're just talking about. Yeah. I was going to say that that feeds right back into what we were just talking about because yeah, no, he wouldn't have paid her any mind. Um, And I think that you kind of see that in other, you know, in other versions of Cinderella too. It's kind of, um, I'm thinking of, I'm thinking of like, the brandy version of Cinderella yes. with Whitney Houston as the grandmother or the mm-hmm. godmother. 
um, where it's kind of like he sees her in the marketplace and she she's not in disguise. She literally looks the same, but <laughs> right. she's wearing something else. And he's just like, Oh, I don't even, I didn't even recognize you. So, you know, it's, um, yeah, I mean, he, it, there's something to be said there about, you know, that, that expectation of, you know, that we, that is put upon us, but then also, it's, you know, if you don't look a certain way, if you don't have the right outfit, if you don't have the right mm-hmm. style, you know, you're just not going to, you're not going to succeed. You're not going to get that thing. And again, that end game thing is, get the guy, get the yeah. prince, the king, whatever. And that will just solve all of your problems. And it's just, oh my goodness, it's just, it's a really, it's a really messy kind of, um, you know, concept. Yeah. I mean, and I think it brings us to the concept of wealth too, like mm-hmm. that the story totally illustrates the, you know, women's pursuit of wealth and that that's really the only way they can get there is through a man, especially right. in that time period, yeah. you know? Yeah, and if that's, you know, and it's, and then, you know, that brings, that's a whole nother conversation about, you know, a, a perception of, of what a woman kind of has to do in order to, to be safe and to be, because um, I think sometimes I, something that I get from the Cinderella story is also like, what, what are you, what are the, step, what is the stepmother and, you know, what does she want for her daughters? She wants them to be what? She wants mm-hmm. them, you know, this social status. So, but that just, to me, it feels a lot like she's trying to find a way to make sure that they're safe. I want to believe that the stepmother cares about her own kids, um, maybe a little. Um, and so, but I, you know, I, I think that there's something to be said there about what it means that you can only be safe when you're kind of married off to a man who has money and how that's often not safe at all that's yeah. you know the opposite so yeah I, I definitely think there's something to be said there about um about what you have to do to keep yourself safe and then what that you know what that looks like to the outside world it's, it's kind of you kind of look like you're a social climber or a gold digger or whatever and you're just trying to make yourself it's just it's you know it's just I don't know I'm all over the place about that <laughs> one but I have thoughts about you know like know. why a woman would do this to her own children and, you know, right. Tell them to uh, cut off of, parts of their feet. Right. Like, what do you, this is, these are your, you know, these are yeah. your kids. Um, so why would you say that to them? That seems like a very desperate mm-hmm. kind of mindset. So it's, to me, it feels like you're trying to keep your kids safe and well, also it's from what right it's what she's been yep. taught yeah. i'm sure exactly like what well, you yeah. said and i think that pursuit actually impacts the relationship with other women right like if you yes. think about her relationship the stepmother's relationship to cinderella is really bad because of this patriarchal society that they're in right they can't have an equal footing they can't have a relationship of empowerment and love because mm-hmm. it, it's it's competition it's competitive right. so you know, it's like yeah. the real world or no, what's the temptation? I don't yeah. know, the island show, whatever, whatever <laughs> those, I'm not a big reality TV show, but you know, you're going to get voted off. You don't really have a choice. It's a different kind yeah. of of way. And, and I think that's one of the saddest parts of this is that the women, you know, they don't help each other, you know, and I, not that it's yeah. on women to help each other. I'm not saying that, but like, there isn't a space for Cinderella to confide in somebody that would actually understand what she's going through in some mm-hmm. ways. Right. Um, yeah. Yeah, there's um there is a speech that Toni Morrison gave at Barnard College in 1979. It was the commencement um, address, 
and she was speaking, and she was specifically talking about Cinderella's stepsisters. That is the part of the speech that gets highlighted a lot of the time. It's called Cinderella's stepsisters, and she was fascinated with this story for that exact reason. She was, um, I can quote from this thing, but I'm just going to kind of like, like paraphrase. She she was alarmed by the violence that women do to one another, um, professional violence, competitive violence. Um, emotional violence and the willingness of women to enslave other women. And mm. so it was, she was fascinated by that tale because it, it, you know, it's about how we treat each other when everyone else is, is kind of treating us badly. We, we turn to each other and we kind of crush each other, you know, under our heels. And that is, you know, there's something so kind of, um, um, off about that to me. Yeah. Um, and I think that's kind of what she was speaking to there, but yeah, that's the, the issues about, um, within Cinderella about how women see each other and, and how they, um, relate to one another under this very oppressive, um, society of patriarchy of heteronormative, heteronormative societal expectations. Um, it's, it's a lot to juggle. Right. Like yeah. it's so many different things um, that you're having to deal with. And so, yeah, I just thought that that was yeah. a, a very interesting point that she made there. Yeah. And it's it's like you're fighting at all sides. Right. And instead of uniting and, you know, it's it actually to me is profoundly sad. Um, it's like really, really, really yeah. sad. I think that's one of the saddest parts. I mean, I guess you can't beat getting your heel cut off, but like and doing yeah. it yourself. That sounds pretty horrible. But you know, it's yeah. something so profoundly sad about that, um, that, and she is, she's an outsider. So like, um, and I know, I think Kaylin, you probably know more about this again, because we just researched this for this episode, but it had originally been a mother and then the Grimm changed it. The Grimm brothers changed it because they thought that they didn't want to take away the virtue from a mother. So the mother became oh. dead and there was like a step. So the stepmother was shown. And also like, I guess at that time, a lot of people died of childbirth. That was very common. And so a stepmother was a likely addition to a family unit. Oh, wow. But that's like very outsider E, right? That's mm -hmm. not really quote unquote your family. Which, well, like made it easier for her to be quote unquote evil then right, I right. think is how they were trying because to set it up. I think they right? didn't want to hit on, I don't know, Caitlin, if, if you've seen this, but um, I don't think they wanted to hit on motherhood. Like they didn't want that to be a bad. Yeah. And I, and, and something that I, that I come across pretty often is, you know, this idea that, you know, well, the reason that the mother is dead in so many of these stories, including Cinderella is because we, we want to kind of preserve her memory and her legacy and who she is as a person. And then a lot of times you will see the mother come back as, um, you know, as a spirit or as a voice, you know, the kind of the voice of, of reason. Um, and so, so yeah, I think it, it's on a lot of different levels. It's about, and again, that's another lens through which we view women, right? Mm -hmm. Like it's, you know, you, you have to kind of die to remain virtuous. Yeah. Like it, you know, it's, it's kind of, it's kind of backwards too, but yeah, mm -hmm. I, I have, I did come across that, um, in my research for Cinderella's Dead, but yeah, it's, and in this, in this specific version, um, you know, uh, Cinderella's mother has some, some parting words for her right there at the mm -hmm. beginning. Um, and you know, it's, it's, it has religious undertones and then the mother, you know, dies. And so she, you know, those, that kind of thing is, 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 um, she's, she's just seen as this kind of this other kind of 
figure, this very like angel like figure. Um, and I think that that pops up again and again um, in these stories. That is such a good point about that that memory, mm-hmm. uh, or like this exaltation of this memory, and like that's what women and that feels so right and so wrong, right? Because it's like the two D version of the mother. I'm sure the mother yelled at mm-hmm. Cinderella when she didn't do the dishes. You know, probably happened <laughs> right. on occasion. Didn't do her right. chores. She might not have been throwing lentils in the fire every day though to make her pick it <laughs> yeah. out. I mean, who knows? We don't know. It's True. possible. True. Yeah. yeah. But that's a very good point. I, I love that actually about the like preserving that memory or what you think they were mm-hmm. and not having to confront what they could have been. Right. And yeah. uh, there's just something to me too about, you know, all of these like, you know, the gender norms and what they're trying to say are, you know, how people should be. And even looking mm-hmm. at like, the father always stands out to me as being kind of like an absent father, which they just tell us is like, okay. Yeah, you know that he's like he's not doing anything to help Cinderella. He know doesn't he say something too about like oh well it couldn't be I only have like an ugly daughter. Yeah, calls her ugly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's he's there. That's the thing Mm -hmm. is he is there. He is present throughout this. Right. And you know what does that say about um you know about like a father's you know, our, role our or what? Father. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. It's, and because, because we're laser focused on, on the mother's role and that she has to kind of sacrifice, she had to die, you know, we have, you know, and then this other woman has to come in and she has to be the opposite of what the mother was. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of, and it leaves, it leaves um, Cinderella's father in this version who is there in some other versions, he's dead too, or right. he dies shortly after her mother. But in this version, he's there the whole time. Yeah. And mm-hmm. we don't, see him you know um in the end um but he's there um and so yeah i think that also kind of speaks to what is expected of of men when it you know in society um and sometimes that the bar is the bar is on the floor um for for them oh yeah yeah well, and, and it's just funny that, like, the stepsisters get their eyes pecked out, which, like, okay, there's a whole ableist undertone. I, I can I can already see it there. But then, like, the father, like, he, first of all, like you said, he called her ugly. He did. He's like, she's sickly. And he's fine. He just, like, skates away. We're going to be fine with that. Like, it's totally cool. He's... Right. When we look at yeah. kind of what happens to each character, because I feel like there definitely is something there about, you know, trying to kind of, like... I, I guess like who gets to win or who is good in the story and how, you know, like, so we're clearly supposed to think that the stepsisters are evil and like, yeah, to your point, like very ableist when they're saying like, Oh, because this horrible thing happens to them by them being blinded. Mm-hmm. I think the more horrible thing is that they chopped off part of their own feet, you know, like they, they did that on purpose, but um, you know, yeah, the ableist undertone, even with that, I suppose. So um yeah, and like what happens to the father, what happens to the stepmother, but because Cinderella was like good and kind and, you know, so she got what we're supposed to see as the ultimate but prize. She, she owned the bird, or she didn't own the birds, but she like controlled the birds and she still let that happen. Can we just like oh, real quick think about Cinderella as maybe not yeah. the nicest person? Oh, okay. She's still in that society where it's a competition. And she is getting off. She's not getting off this island. Everybody else is going. Like, <laughs> I didn't think. Did she send the birds to I'm do that? Unclear. Maybe she's. Yeah. Maybe she's Maleficent. <laughs> maybe she's like the evil witch. Who knows? There's definitely something else going on with Cinderella. I think that a lot of times you see um, it, 
Cinderella kind of partake in these very magical, fantastical things. Um, and it's kind of like, wait a minute, what's going on there? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so I'm, I'm, I'm in the camp that believes she sent those those birds to, to check yeah. out her stepsister's well, eyes. I but love yeah, that. I'm, just because, you know, I think something else is like talking about her magic, that it is mm-hmm. deemed as good because it's like, you know, it's connected to nature and it like it just helped her in this beautiful way because she would go and weep at her mother's grave where she grew this tree and the nature like helped her. And um, but, you know, as thinking about it, like, is she a witch? These different incantations yeah. that like, mm-hmm. you know, is there some sort of special power with Cinderella but um, that's not really a focus we're just supposed to think she's so good and pure that everybody loves her but her stepmother and her stepsisters are just so evil so they're the ones who don't see it but like everybody else comes to help her because she's just so beautiful and kind and perfect yeah and her and that kind of that kind of magical thinking is also connected to her mother because you know it's the and that and that's something that you find a lot in witch lore mm-hmm. um is this kind of matriarchal kind of passing of, of knowledge you know mm-hmm. um so that's i mean those things are there for sure i don't know you know but this is also a story that is that has a lot of um religious undertones yeah. um you know i think right there in the beginning we're talking about you know being pious and and um you know i think that's what her mother says to her right there yeah. in the beginning like you know continue to be good whatever um, and so, yeah, so that it's just, you know, it's just, it's always fascinating to me to kind of see all of these things weave into this, this story, I think is why Cinderella just continues to, to, uh, to fascinate us. It right. just has so many different elements. Yeah. And like the fact that she's not, you know, she's not demonized for being a witch. I mean, that's, I mean, that's what we're saying she is, right? She's casting these spells and making things happen. And I think the one thing that I do like about this version, uh, not like, that's different from the parole, parole version. I'm not a French speaker, so excuse me. But yeah. <laughs> um, The Charles Perrault version is, is, you know, she does she does take matters into her own hand. I mean, she's in a flawed system, so she's going to peck out her sister's eyes, I guess. Um, but, you know, I think that there's something so amazing about that in this version, that she's the one that gets the dress. She's the one that decides to go to the ball. Things don't just fall. They do fall from a tree, but they don't like without her taking action, That's they don't true. actually happen. Um, and I yeah. didn't know if you had any thoughts on that, either either Mindy or Kaylin. I, you know, I, I think it's a really fascinating kind of um, comparison because, yeah, that version, that French version that is, I think it's like 1690. Six, six or seven, sixteen ninety-seven, something like that. It's there's that's the first time that we see the glass slippers, the fairy godmother, and I think also the pumpkins. Um, and so, you know, it it turns into a to a story more about you know wishes and and magic, and I think moves more away from moves away from from the grim version, um, which is definitely more. This feels to me much more like a parable like it feels like something that you are specifically trying to teach me some kind of lesson about you know virtue or something that's what it feels like to me when I compare it to the, which you know the French version also has those undertones as well but it just seems much more fantastical mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. um so yeah I think it says I, and I think it says something about you know what um what about Cinderella's agency um which you know I don't know if that's 
I feel like that agency is, is stripped away from her um, in the version with the fairy godmother because she's, again, it kind of falls into her lap and she just asks and it kind of is granted. So it's, it, and it's, and we see that still in the grim version, but it's much more kind of like we were saying, it's much more Cinderella's will that kind of makes that happen. So yeah, it's, it's an interesting kind of comparison. Yeah. Yeah. And something that you said made me think about too, like we see this in so many fairy tales, but especially in this one, like does Cinderella even like the prince? I mean, she does produce <laughs> the shoe, I will say. Like she could have just not done it or like pretending like her foot was hurt or could she have though? I don't know. That's a good point. <laughs> I just, you know, like it's I, never, we don't ever get to hear like no, she, what, we don't know. you know, I mean, and also that like he doesn't even know who this person is. He just knows that their foot's going to fit into this shoe. Like, yeah, that's just how that. that's how I was proposed to. Is that not normal? <laughs> oh, that was just me. OK, that's, this is weird now. Thanks. Thanks, Mindy. Appreciate that. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Yeah. And it's like a guy like shows up at your house and he has a shoe and he's like, hey, do you fit the shoe? It's like, I don't I don't know. It, it seems very like strange to me. And there's, there are, <laughs> there are in my kind of research, there are um, people like folklorists who believe that the flipper is a mistranslation. Like they think that it was actually not glass in the later versions and that it, it was a translation that was supposed to mean like squirrel fur slipper. And I was like, I don't know that this story would have had the same impact if it was like a slipper made from a squirrel pelt. So yeah, I don't know. It's, there's a lot going on in this story that I'm just like, yeah, it's all over the place. It must've been more comfortable though than a glass slipper. Like she must've gotten some orthotics, something, something to like pad the shoe, get a little bit of, you know, so heel support is very important. So you gotta be. Yeah. Well, and even, you know, I, I thought it was interesting on this one. They're like, Oh, and you know that the stepsisters were excited because they had such beautiful feet. I thought that was like a weird little side note, especially yeah. because they're not even showing off the feet in front of people. They go into their own bedroom to try them on because, you know, women were so like, oh, you probably wasn't it like women showing their ankles used to be like taboo. So it's not like they were even showing their feet in front of other people. They tried them on. I don't I just thought that was like a weird addition in the story about like yeah. they were excited because they had such you know, beautiful feet. I kind of love that they were so they were like, look, my feet. Let me tell you about my feet. They are beautiful. Like, yeah. well, maybe it's they, supposed to add too to like the impact that uh, they, they had such they beautiful have, feet, mm-hmm. but then they were still they want like, you know, wealth and love and that they that's the utmost prize. So they were still willing to chop up their beautiful, perfect feet. Maybe mm, that was like yeah. supposed to. Because I was kind of like, because it was it's kind of like a humble brag. Like, let me. Right. Like, like, <laughs> I don't have the most beautiful feet, but they are quite, quite beautiful. Like, yeah. oh, I don't know. I kind of liked it though. I was like, all right, yeah, you should, you should say what's great about you. You know, if that's your feet, good, good for you. Good right. for you. Oh yeah. my goodness, yeah. It's um that that little that little line in there. Yeah, that always that always draws my attention. I'm just like, wait a minute. <laughs> mm-hmm. I feel like we maybe talked about this already, but I just also kind of want to come back to like obedience as a big theme here. And that like, you know, Cinderella is only successful because she's obedient, you know, that the stepmother keeps changing like what but she's she, not really, but right. Because then her, like when she protests and sneaks out, then she like, like many teenagers. Right. I mean. Right. <laughs> um, but you know that it's like really given as a very important trait 
for women. Yeah, and but it's non-existent in her. I, I think that it's so funny because the obedience kind of brings back up just the inconsistencies throughout this tale. You know, it's yeah. like, it's telling you one thing and then something else happens. It's mm-hmm. telling you something else and then bam, you're supposed to do something else. And I think, Kaylin, you actually said it really beautifully. It's like, we're in this no-win situation, basically, because either you cut off your feet and then you don't get the prince or you don't and you do get the prince, but like, there's no guarantee. Either way, you're in trouble. Well, and, and baseline, yeah. which, you know, you bring up in your story, Cinderella is dead. I mean, did Cinderella even want him? Did yeah. she even like, you know, that mm-hmm. whole thing? So mm-hmm. this yeah. obedience for what? But yeah, again, it's like obedience for the society that we're taught that we're supposed to love and want. And I just really, you know, appreciate something you said at the beginning of the story about how there is such an impact and something I know we've shared with our listeners. Um, but I am actually expecting a child I'm due in May. And so I've really oh, been, <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Um, but I've really been just thinking about this and it's like how, you know, what is the right step? You know, do you let your children watch any of these? And then you like explain how wrong they are. Do you like, you know, I guess just have them watch yeah. other things. Have like them also, read Cinderella's Dead when they're older. Yes. <laughs> That's <laughs> of Pro course, of course. But you know, when they are young and you think about like, I don't know, babysitters when at daycare, like how do you really, and just society, you know, how do you balance that? And I guess maybe the thing is you just, do the best that you can and you really try to help. But like these stories, especially the ones that have a Disney adaptation are just so ingrained and they still are teaching these lessons today. Yeah. Yeah. And I, you know, I have kids and so it's, you know, for me, it's definitely, um, I think for me, it's just, you know, these, these conversations about, um, you know, about, societal expectations and about, um, you know, gender and race and sexuality. Like we have these conversations all the time. Um, it's an ongoing conversation that I have with my kids. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I think that, you know, I, I am not, um, I'm not, I don't think that I could even avoid, um, you know, all of the Disney things because they're just everywhere. It's so pervasive. Right. Um, but I, think, um, you know, for me, it's just about being able to have these conversations. Like we, um, I let my daughter, my oldest daughter, um, kind of be a beta reader for me for Cinderella's Dead. And, you know, we talked and had this conversation, you know, comparing and contrasting Cinderella stories, um, with what I was trying to do with this book. And, and I think that, you know, for her, it's, you know, it's about the conversations that happen after we read these yeah. stories and they can't, they can't be allowed to just exist on their own anymore. I don't think, I think we've kind of come to a place where we need to have these conversations. I don't think that we're going to, um, you know, uh, ban them or anything, you know, that's, that's never going to happen. But we, you know, I think it's the conversations that, that we can have, um, when they, when it comes up and, um, I, you know, my kids, I think if I sat my kids down right now and showed them Cinderella, the Disney Cinderella, they would be like, wait a minute, what's going on here? Why right. is he mm-hmm. doing this? Why are, you know, they, they would have questions and they would recognize that it, that something was wrong and they would question it. And mm-hmm. that's, I think that's the best thing you can do, right? Yeah. You can just encourage that, that, um, question you know, that, everything. <laughs> yeah. Question everything. Question everything. I mean, everything is made up. Right. Yeah. I, mm-hmm. um, yeah. there's some, uh, oh shoot. I wish 
I'll have to post it on our Instagram because it was really great. And I can't remember the handle, but I know that I took a screenshot of it. But essentially um, posting about, you know, how just like, as we all know, like gender is a construct and these different things that we practice and say and looking at like how much is just made up in history. Mm -hmm. And you look back and it's like, um, he starts by showing these pictures and like, guess who this baby is? And it's a man, but it's wearing like a white frilly dress. And, you know, and that was Mm -hmm. not that long ago, but these practices and things have changed of like what fashion means and who can wear what. And even looking at like high heels were originally made for men Mm -hmm. and looking Mm -hmm. at like, just how that has evolved. And, you know, obviously I I have this whole thing with high heels. Our listeners have probably heard about it way too much, but they just, you know, they're beautiful. I wear them sometimes, you know, but like overall they are made in my opinion to hold women back. They make us slower. They make us confined, which is all a part of, you know, the sort of fashion of when women were, when they originally were kind of really touted and women were wearing them was also with hoop skirts. You think of like, they were not made for action and for being able to get ahead. But again, that kept women in their place. So of course, high heels were perfect for that, but I'll, I'll leave that there. (laughs) Oh no, I, you know, I, I just think, I think like the concept of like gendered anything like gendered clothing Mm -hmm. or shoes or whatever to me is just ridiculous i'm just like if you whatever you want to wear just Mm -hmm. you should be able to wear it without any but that's you know that's not the kind of society that we live in i would love to see that um change yeah um and i you know but yeah i mean i have i have heels that i wear that i'm really bad at wearing and i've definitely (laughs) almost like broken my ankles times i much prefer flat but that's you know but um, yeah, I, I think that there's, there's a, there's so many conversations about fashion that we could have. That's a whole nother, um, right? episode. Because, totally. Yeah. That, but yeah, I have, I have lots of, I've just been thinking, yeah, well, maybe we'll have to have you back for <laughs> yes, a whole other episode on that. Cause it's definitely been on top mm-hmm. of this expecting mom's mind over here is we are not finding out the sex of our child, but we keep getting asked um, if we're going to find out the gender. And oftentimes, like, I do use it as a place to like, kind of politely say like, Oh, well, we're not finding out the sex just to kind of like help people because I do understand that for some people, it's still a concept that they're learning. But um, there's also a part of me that a couple times I'm always thinking about just being like, Oh, well, I mean, are we probably won't know the gender for a long time. <laughs> yeah. Like they won't, they won't know like how, when did you, you know, and like really opening up that conversation. But um, I've been trying to make baby steps to not isolate <laughs> people. But I just think that whole concept too, like we're constantly being asked if we're going to have like a gender reveal party. And I'll be like, Oh, you mean a sex reveal party? <laughs> yeah. But um, yeah, yeah and that's, that's a whole thing and the baby yeah. industry so yeah. many problems oh yeah and it's i think i posted something on my twitter the other day about these these baby like these onesies that say like dad says i can't date till i'm 30 Yuck. and it's pink and then the the blue one is like you know i'm winking at your wife and it's like what? this is instant so like awful. please stop and then also you know i'm the parent of a non-binary kiddo so it's kind of like well where do they right. go to kind of see themselves because yep. it, everything is so binary. Yep. So yeah, there's, there's a whole conversation yeah. to be had there and a lot of, um, a lot of learning and unlearning yes. that needs to be done. Yes. That's, just yeah. real quick. I hate that they put sexuality on kids. That disturbs oh me God. when they're like heartbreaker. So they're like, it's so gross. It's like, yeah. it's a kid. 
Yes. Leave it alone. Yeah. Don't do that. And it was oh, it so was in you. response to it was in response to a friend of mine getting a, a really awful email about her book and the queer content in the book and how it's not appropriate for children. Um, and I was just like, these people that say these things probably have these shirts, you know, in their kids' closet <laughs> right now. So, right? like, let's not let's not do that. So, yeah, they're probably also the parents who you know blame or like sexual shame um their child when it's like oh those shorts are too short well they're too short for who for some creepy old man that's gonna look at me like that's on the old man Mm -hmm. that is not on like just this whole sexualization of children and teens and like it's gross it's It's gross yeah gross it was really great speaking with you, <laughs> diving into oh my this. Gosh, so fun. Um, yeah, we love your book. We appreciate all that you do, how mm-hmm. you use your voice, and um, continue to spread these amazing stories. And um, yeah, well, we would love to have you back yeah. sometime. We hope our yeah. listeners enjoyed this this story and this awesome episode. And don't forget to buy the book. We're right. all here because Cinderella <laughs> de- is dead is awesome. So buy Definitely. it. It's yeah, awesome. Buy the book. Yes, buy the do that. All right. <laughs> and so we'll post about that on our Instagram again. You can follow us at Femlore Podcast. Um, and we will be making a donation, as we said, in part one of this episode to the It Gets Better Project. Um, so please check them out. Join us in supporting. And um, yeah, thank you for listening. Tell your friends if you enjoyed this episode. And um, we'll thank see you. Thank you so much, Kaylin. See you next yeah, time. Yeah, we'll see you on the Flip yeah, thank, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> thank you. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening. We'll be back next week with another episode, but you can always find us on Instagram at Femlore Podcast or visit us online at femlore.com. We love what we do, but we can't do it without you. Your listens, shares, and reviews keep us going, so please tell your friends about us. Femlore is produced by Mindy Scott, Rachel Marr, Aaron Crossland, and Lauren Crossland Marr. Audio engineering and music by Aaron Crossland, research and coordination by Lauren Crossland Marr, and as always, canine support provided by Andy and Cody. Ow!